0: Now, you guys ready yeah. to start this series? Welcome to week one of this series that we're calling The Bridge to Abnormal. Now, the, the opening there was very uh, intentional. So if you weren't paying attention, if, or if you're looking behind your back for the, you know, for the scream character to grab you, uh, it was, this is, uh, the, it said in the, in the opening, the bridge to the new normal, and then that faded out and came back in as the bridge to abnormal. And here, here's why, I, like, this, this series is, is so, like, right now, this is what we need in this season, is we keep hearing people say, hey, we need to get back to normal. I just can't wait until we get back to normal. And we've kind of been viewing this last, I think it's 120 days now that we've been doing this crazy stuff that we're, we're, you know, responding to this COVID, and we've kind of viewed it as a detour around a virus. So we're all in our normal life, and then we get off the detour, and then we get back on. How many of you have ever been, been on a detour? Like, they're the worst, especially when, like when you're on vacation and you're heading down. You don't really know where you're at anyways, and then there's a detour, and you get pushed off to the side. You follow these signs, and they don't do a good job of signage at all. And so it kind of relates to what we're going through right now. Hey, we're going to go this way. Nope, we're going this way. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so you, you're on this path, and you're following these signs, and eventually you get back to where... You were intending to be anyways, back on that same road. Now, people have been saying, well, it's going to be a new normal. It's going to be a new normal when we get back to whatever normal is. And that's what happens is we always get back to some type of norm. Norm is average. It's what we're all kind of connected to. It's what, you know, the norm. And we eventually get back to a norm. However, this new normal is not what God called us to. A new normal is not where we're supposed to get to. God never called us to be normal. God never said, hey, I just want you to follow me so you can be average. I, I died for your sins and I, I gave you forgiveness of all, that, of, of all your past sins and all your past failures and all that so that you could just surf along and just get by. That's not what... No, no, he, he always intended us for be, us to be separate, unique. You can look at the Old Testament in the Old Testament, you have these example of the, of the children of Israel. They're called a holy nation, a chosen priesthood. They, they are set apart. They're supposed to be unique. They're unique in the, what, what they eat, how they dress, how they worship. Everything about them is very distinct. And that doesn't change when Jesus comes. When Jesus fulfills the Old Testament, he still calls us to be unique, to be ab normal Uh, let me show you in scripture romans chapter 12 verse 2 paul is writing to the church in rome he says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let god transform you into a new person by changing the way you think when you learn to know god's will which is good and pleasing and perfect so don't be like culture don't be normal be abnormal and there's a keep i can keep going Jesus gave His life for our sins, just as God, our Father, planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world which we live in. So you live in a world, but you're supposed to be you're supposed to be separate from this world. So you're in it, but you're separate of it. Just it's it's Colossians, seeing that you have been put, seeing that you have put off the old self, what was once normal, with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. First uh, Peter. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back to the norm. Into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires you didn't know any better then. You're supposed to be abnormal. 1 John, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, father, uh, the, the love of the Father is not in him. 2 Corinthians, for God who said, let there be light and darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could be the, know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So over and over again. Hey, you can't be a light in darkness if you look like darkness. You can't shine if your light isn't on. And this is, he even warns us in a parable that don't be a light that, that you try to hide, that you cover up. No, no, no. I created you. I made you. You're not supposed to be Normal. You're supposed to be abnormal. And this is something I've been trying to... This has overwhelmed me personally. As I've studied this, because uh, there's some things that we as a church, and I believe that the American church or the Western church has kind of gotten a little off track. And as I was trying to figure out how to best communicate this, I was studying and looking through the Word of God, and I've, I've looked at the, the character in the Old Testament, the figure of Daniel. And Daniel lived in a time where all of culture was against him. He'd actually been taken to a different culture and set up and put into a position where he, he was intentionally being changed. Even his name, which wasn't Daniel, had been changed. Just to try to create in him something that was, they, they wanted him to be normal. But God said, no, 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 you're not normal. You're set apart. You're unique. But then I, I came to the New Testament and I, I went to the First Corinthians 1 Corinthians is written by a man named Paul. And Paul in Acts chapter 18 goes to the city of Corinth. So we're going to study, we're going to walk through the book of 1 Corinthians. So we just got going got done going through Jonah, an Old Testament book. So let's jump over to the New Testament and let's walk through the book of 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is written to a church and so to give you a little background in Acts chapter 18 you have the story. So if you want some context this week, go read Acts chapter 18, it says, tells that, that um, Paul traveled to Corinth, the first stop he makes, he goes into the synagogue, and he t- begins to tell the Jews, hey, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, you need to follow after him, you need to give your life to him, and, and, and he tries to teach them what he has learned, but they reject it, and so he's like, okay, I'm done with you Jews, and he literally goes next door, this is all in Acts chapter 18, he goes next door, and there he finds a man who is following God. And he spends some time there, but he's really frustrated and he's re- getting ready to leave. But God comes to him in a vision and says, no, I've got work for you to do here. Stay here. So Paul stays in the city of Corinth for a year and a half. He's there and he's teaching them and be- things begin to-, to grow and the church is growing. And eventually he leaves Corinth and goes on to other, other cities and plants more churches. But Paul is-, is credited with being the church planner in Corinth. So this is this is like right up our alley because here's what we need to understand: is Corinth was a a city that looked like the Roman culture. It had all of the amenities. It had all the things that the Roman culture wanted to have. And in fact, they had a pagan they had a pagan um, temple there. And each night, the uh, prostitutes of, that were the prophetesses of this temple would come down into the city and they would perform their acts of sexual immorality and it's to the point that they actually called the city would have, it, you would become Corinthianized meaning you were sexually immoral, but it was okay it's just the way it was you were Corinthianized and one, 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 uh, one author talking about the book of 1 of, of Corinthians said that the problem wasn't that the church was in Corinth he said the problem is Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because the city, Corinth, is in the church. Culture had become part of the church. And so there wasn't a distinguishing part here. So Paul is responding either to a letter that he has already received or to reports that he has gotten, and he's responding to these issues that they're dealing with. That culture has now entered the church and there is no distinction. They're not abnormal. They look like Corinth. And Corinth doesn't, is not being changed by the church, but the church has been changed by Corinth. So Paul is, is writing this to them in response to, to what is going on. So I, I want to jump in here. Let's go look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 1. I'm going to lay some groundwork for this entire series. So I'm going like, to give you some, like, some teasers. To where we're going and then I'm going to back up and we're going to begin by looking at the first three verses of this book of this cha- of this ch- book so here we go let's read it together first uh, Corinthians chapter 1 verse one Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother sothenes to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those in every place call upon in every place call, Call upon the name of the Lord, our Lord, <laughs> the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has given you, that, that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will, who, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the, day, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there is no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So that no one may say that, uh, that you were baptized in my name. Uh, well, let me throw some parentheses in here. I love this because Paul kind of messed up as he's writing. And he's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I did. I did baptize also the household of Stephanoffus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. In this segment of the first chapter, we, I, I, Paul identifies an issue that's going on that I believe is an issue in the Western church, our church, and how we operate and act as churches. He looks at them and says, guys, you're having this debate about Cephas, Apollos, Paul, Jesus Christ. You're saying, I follow this guy, I follow this guy, or I follow this guy. And what he's saying is, guys you're arguing about which expert to follow. So as we cross the bridge, not a detour, this is a bridge from what we once understood to where God's taking us, from where the norm as a church to what God's called us to, the abnorm, he's calling us to leave our dependency on experts. He's calling us to leave our dependency on experts. So, so he, here's, here's how, how we have turned this into our level of dependency on experts. See, we, we come to church, and we come to church and we grab our chair, and we come in, and we get all ready. We come into church and we get ready for worship, right? And we depend upon a group of wonderful musicians and people that are talented and the use of their voices and their instruments, right? They got, they're, they're experts, and they create an atmosphere for us, and man, it feels so good, and man, didn't that, not that moment of worship feel good? But the problem is, is we get dependent on them creating an atmosphere for me so that I can worship in this moment. But then we leave church, we get in our car, and then we get cut off in the road, and we lose our atmosphere of worship. We get out of our car in the parking lot of Walmart and someone accosts us for not acting in the way they deem to be acting. And we lose the atmosphere of worship. We get in our homes and we're dealing with our children and we're dealing with the frustrations that our spouse brings upon us and we lose the atmosphere of worship. We get into our workplace and we got annoying Bob and... and Debbie Downer and all the things around us, and we lose the atmosphere of worship. And because we don't have any experts, and I don't not qualified to create an environment of worship, I don't worship. I'm dependent on some experts to create for me an environment to worship. We also do this. Worship is over sit down and out comes the expert in the bible i'm gonna listen to him and he's gonna bring some like nuggets i mean some ridiculous awesome preach i mean boy can preach amen i mean it's just he's just bringing it and you're like wow that's so good and then the light bulb goes off and you're like whoa i never saw that in scripture that is that is so whoa then we go home we open up our bible that don't make any sense what's that what does that even mean what what are they even talking i'll just wait till sunday and we depend upon an expert to give us our knowledge and to tell us what we should know and think about and this isn't new See, this is what happened after, after the apostles and they were moving in this direction of, of uh, the church is growing and it's going crazy. And then the, some, uh, some clergy, they gave, they, we call, gave them a name and we put them behind a pulpit, a fancy wooden pulpit and really ornate and, and put stained glass windows behind them. And we gave them titles and then we, they said, hey, the only way that you can actually read the Bible is in Latin. So since nobody else speaks Latin... I will be here to interpret it for you. And we've gotten back to that because history repeats itself. But my profession needs some job security. So we pretend like there's no way that you would ever be able to figure this out so you don't have to wait on me to tell you what this stuff means. That's what we need to change. We gotta get back and move from leave this dependency on experts and cross over to the abnormal the other thing paul continues he says for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning i will tort i love that that the word tort is in the bible it's tort Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach, proclaim is the word there, to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, not limiting to somebody with a degree, it's everyone, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful, but many were both, uh, were, uh, not many were of noble birth. So that, as it is written, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Here's what Paul just laid out for us. Is that we, that we, we cannot depend upon culture to understand Jesus. It's not going to work. In fact, this is what has happened in the American church. And this is where I'm going to get a little bit of like uncomfortableness. Is that the church has, since 1776 been a part of the American culture, which we are one nation under God, which we have celebrated, which is a good thing because you're here not afraid of some government official coming in here and telling you cannot worship. You don't have any worries of driving here getting pulled over and having a Bible in your car and being somebody saying, no, you can't have that, and because you have it, you're going to jail. You, you have none of those worries because we are a nation that has... Uh, been began in the in from the beginning of our existence had part of the american culture church but what has happened is the american culture has shifted and so has the church and just like corinth the issue isn't that the church is in america the issue is that america has become the church we're not supposed to be normal our dependency is that we have to, we are leaving, and, our, and this bridge to the, to the abnormal is that we are leaving the comfort and culture. For a really long time, for a really long time, being a follower of Jesus was comfortable. It's starting to become a little uncomfortable. Because it's not, it used to be, well, we can disagree, but now, if I preach from the word of God, I'm, it's not that somebody disagrees with me, it's that I'm speaking hate, and I need to be shut up. Now, are we there yet? Not yet. But we're, we're leaving a place of comfort and culture to being called out of that, crossing the bridge to the abnormal. Now, I'm going to spend a lot of time over the next few weeks walking through this. But for t- today, we're going to step back and we're going to look at the first three verses. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you jump into the first three verses And one show you that you too can look at Scripture and glean from it. And it's not me. That says begins like this. So when you study Scripture, you you just look at a word, and you need some some understanding of that word. So let's start with the first word, Paul. Paul. See right away we know. Now when you read Scripture, you need to know, hey, who's writing this, and who's he writing it to? What's the most important thing when you study Scripture? Um, next, the most important thing? Third most important? Context. So context, who's Paul? Well, for many of you, you recognize that name right away. Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament letters. He's all throughout Scripture. You see him. You, you've heard of him, the St. Paul. You, you've heard of him. But let me just give you just a little bit of background. Paul was what, what we introduced to him as Saul. Saul is going to uh, um, hate. He's a a Jew of Jews. He is a Pharisee. He he loves the Jewish nation and the separation is there, and he hates this new thing called the way, the followers of Jesus. So much so that he tracks them down as part of their being killed and then being imprisoned. Men, women, children. It don't matter. He's gonna stop these people. That's Paul. So right away when you read this book from First Corinthians, and it begins with Paul. It immediately brings us all into the picture because there's not one of you sitting here, or I hope not, that can say, yep, I murdered a guy. I was part of getting rid of a dude that I didn't agree with. If you were, <laughs> Paul's here. Paul's here and brings you into this story. So Paul, then it says that he was called. This is that, that next word there. He was called. This is a word that I'm going to spend a lot of time, and I, I can't do it too much this morning because I'll get carried away. Called is a word that we have lost in our, uh, in our vernacular. We've turned it, it our, what we do at work, as we call it occupation. But the true term is vocation, which is the literal translation for calling, it's really important to Paul. In fact, in the first chapter, he says it over and over again. He says, uh, God, in verse 9, he says, God is faithful by whom you were called. So it's, it's not, see, right away, it's not just Paul that's called. That's, that's the first thing we think. Well, it's this guy up here who's got this mic taped to his face and this, fan, you know, whatever this thing. You, yeah, That's the guy that's called. No, no. He says, God is faithful by whom you were called. You we're called. Every single one of us has a calling. What's your calling? Where you're at right now? He keeps going. He says, "For the uh, he talks about the Jews that were uh, confused by it. The Greeks were messed up by it. But but those who were called, both Jews and Gentiles. There's not a race. There's not an, uh, a type of religion. There's not a, a nobody's eliminated. Everybody's involved." Verse twenty-six. For consider your calling. Consider where you're at. If you're a homemaker, consider that. If, you, if you're a steel worker, consider that. If you're, if you're out on, uh, working in a, a blue-collar job, consider your calling. If you're a white-collar work job, consider your calling. Consider where you're at. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you are powerful, but many, uh, not many of you were noble birth. It's not based upon your status in society. God uses the abnormal. Thank you. This is uh, Paul, this is so important. Paul called, and here's the, 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 the important part, is by the will of God. So before you get to what I do, you need to first start off with who you do it for. Paul says, I do it for God. And then he says, I'm an apostle. And I, I'll spend more time on this later, but he says, I'm called to be an apostle. You, you can put in here, I, I challenge you, put your name in place of Paul's. Say, Josh called by God for my position. Put in there your position. That, that's, that's what he's called us to do. See, says, then he goes, verse 2, he goes to, uh, called, he's, written, who, he's writing it with his, his partner. He says, and to the church of God. So we know who it was written from. We know uh, he's saying, I'm called, and so are you. And then he gets into this place where he talks about the church. He says, to the church. The church just means, literally means, to be called out. Oh, wait, what's that? You're you're not supposed to be normal. The church is called out. So the church of God, that is, it says, of God. Not the church of Josh, not the church of Corey, not the church at 201. No, the church belongs to God. He says that is uh, in Corinth and those who in every place. So here, here's where I got this circle up here. Because church immediately, we, we go to the concept of church. We go to big church. Everyone who calls uh, upon the name of the Lord. There it is. Big church. So there's the world. And then he says, but this is specifically written to the church that is in Corinth. So there's churches in cities. So I have three of them identified here. It's taking me a lot longer to put cities for every, you know, circles for every city. So I didn't do that. Here's three of them for the three that, for all of them. It says, now, we, we talk about this a lot, that we have church, we have the church in the world, and we have churches in our community. And by the way, let me just take a minute just to say this. If, they, if there's a church that is preaching the, the name of Jesus Christ, they are not our competition, do not let the, comp- the, the culture of competition come into the church and think that there's somebody else that's ha- having service right now that's a, that is our competition. No. Our competition is what happened last night that keeps people from coming Sunday morning. <laughs> that's our competition. So we, we have to understand that our competition isn't the other city churches. Our churches in other cities. But here's where we miss. Because Paul finishes out this book of 1 Corinthians. And I'll I'll talk about this more in more detail throughout this series. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, he says, The churches of Asia send you greetings, Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house. See, this is the part that we're missing. See, there's the church of the world and there's the church in uh, the cities. But the one that we're missing and we're not dealing enough with, and the church that we need to talk about going into the abnormal is the church in your house. Because parents, your pastor's in your home. Hey, worker, you're, you're a pastor in your workplace. Hey, students, you're a pastor in your, work, in, in your school. This is what you need to understand. Your place of worship is not just in a place of gathering in this city church. But you have to have an understanding that your church is in your home. I'll I'll spend more time on this later. Got to keep going. So we've got the church of God. It's the church in Corinth, the church in every place, the church in their house. And then he says, he specifically says that this is the church in, in Corinth. To those sanctified, here's the word that sanctified simply means to be set apart. That they were uh, sanctified and that they were saints together. So he's identifying what it means to be a part of the church. He gives us three things. Number one is that they're sanctified. They're set apart. It's the same word as church. They're pulled out. They're not normal. Welcome to the abnormal. We can call ourselves the church of the weird. Okay? We are supposed to be sanctified. Saints together. I dare you. Spend some time. Google or look up the word saints in the Bible. And find me one time where saints is in the individual. It doesn't happen. Anytime there's saints, it's in corporate worship. they saints together with all those in every place who call on the name of the Lord. That's what they do. So, to to the church, that is, of course. So, if we're leaving this place of dependency on culture, or dependency on experts and a comfort and culture and we're going someplace where are we going what's on the other side i don't know exactly what the other side looks like it's abnormal we're not used to it something different but i do know this that it is must be in christ jesus paul finishes out this chapter in verse 30 he says and because of him you are in Christ Jesus. It's, he uses this beginning of the chapter and at the end of the chapter as bookends for you to understand. Hey, you, current church in Corinth, you've allowed culture to overtake you. But if you're going to be who you're called to be, you're going to be abnormal, you need to be in Christ Jesus. And then he lays it out. That's beautiful. In your notes, if you want to, he says, if you are in Christ Jesus, you, who became to us wisdom, then he gave to us righteousness. And sanctification and redemption. (laughs) These are the four, four blanks in your notes there. Those four things. What Paul is saying is that when you are in Christ Jesus, the same resources that were available to him are available to you. You've got to get this. You're called. You're set apart. You're unique. You're special. And you are called to be resourced and equipped by his wisdom. You're not going to be able to make the right choices going across this bridge to the abnormal if you don't have him in your life. You're not going to be able to find yourself in right living, righteousness, if you don't have him. If you don't, you're not going to find sanctification, which, again, means to be set apart, if you don't have him, and you can't find yourself redeemed. You can't find your faults and your failures redeemed The promises that he has given to you. Redeemed. What's that that word redeemed mean? You ever, like, the couponers, you ever watch that show? They cut out all those coupons and then they go and they drive the cashier nuts. But with cash, what are they doing? They're redeeming their coupon. It's worth something. See, God's put a promise in you. He's laid these promises on you, but you can't redeem them outside of Jesus. So our leaving of dependency on this culture and experts means that we turn from that dependency and we depend only in Jesus Christ alone. There's this this technical term, or uh, it's a psychological term. It's called birging. Birging, or B-I-R-G. And it literally means, this is the term, is that basking in reflected glory. So you take... Basically, is taking credit for someone else's success. This, like, we want to be a part of their success. I, I do this with my kids in the, in their sporting events. Like, any any athlete is superstitious. It's just it's 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 in us. So, literally, when my kids are up to bat or they're doing something in their activities, and they get so, something good happens, I will look at where my hands were and where my feet were. I'm not joking. This past, when we were away, I was at a ball game, and I literally was tapping my head. And a kid hit a line drive to the fence. You know what I did the next play? Tap my head. Because it's important, because, you know, my tapping my head, is he's dependent on me doing the right thing at the right time, right? (laughs) It's silly, right? We all do it, though. I remember doing it as a kid, and many of us still do it at some level today when I heard the Cleveland Browns on the radio, back when they were good. And I I would listen to them Sunday afternoon. And when Kevin Mack got the handoff, and he jumped the line, and I'm listening to the radio, and I can hear every description. You know what I was doing? Had my Brown shirt on. I got my little Nerf football, and I dove with everything I had across the the line that separated the carpet from the noyum. And with such force and with such power that I knocked my dad's two front teeth out with my head. I'm literally hard-headed, like in every way. Why? Because I was part of what Kevin Mack was doing. I was basking in his glory. It's kind of silly in the sports world. But what Paul is telling us and what Jesus tells us is that you need to bask in his reflected glory. He says, hey, hey, I'm taking you to a place that's, that's abnormal, it's, it's different. And what's the biggest thing is that you're gonna look like him. That's, he says, I want you to see my death, my sacrifice that I made for you. Reflect in that. I, I want you to see that I was buried. Reflect in that. I want you to see that I was resurrected and the power that flowed through me in that resurrection is now available to you. Reflect in that. So we leave our dependency. We cross the bridge to the abnormal. Dependent upon Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word and Lord, to be used by you, to be taking these steps and Lord I thank you that as we look at your word and we study your word and we we take these moments to walk through this moment knowing that just as the the church in Corinth dealt with culture strangling them that we too in this world that we live in dealing with the same issues but you care about us so much you love us so much that you're willing to sacrifice yourself so that we can reflect your glory. So right now, if you'd like to join me in this prayer, I turn from doing it my way. I repent and I turn to you. I'm gonna leave the comforts of culture, I'm gonna leave the dependency of the experts and I'm gonna turn and depend upon you, Jesus Christ you died for my sins, and you resurrected, and your spirit is available to me today. In Jesus' name.